You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Miller, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. The Miami Heat got some good news before Thursday's nationally televised game versus New Orleans Pelicans. One, that Zion Williamson would miss the game, and two, that Jimmy Butler would be back after a two-game absence. And not a second too soon because, as is usually the case with this team, when you get good news, you also get bad news. Bam Adebayo was going to sit out the game as well. But Butler's usual impact, plus some late-game heroics, were absolutely necessary, and the Heat pulled off a 103-93 win to put the team back at 500, ending into the All-Star break. The story of the game, plain and simple, Jimmy Butler. Scoring a game-high 29 points, including 10 in the fourth. He also chipped in nine assists, making plays for others. Got to the line whenever it was necessary. When the Pelicans started to threaten Miami's lead, one that had been as high as 17 points, and then was slowly chipped away at during the second half to get to just two points with six and a half minutes left. There is Butler to stop the bleeding after a long break on the bench. He was playing defense, getting to the line, even hitting a three-pointer, doing everything and getting the team to a much-needed win. KZ Okpala started in place of Bab tonight, had the usual KZ experience. Some great plays defensively, a couple of nice athletic moves here, some nice recovery defense, good help defense, and then... You know, kind of lost out there, not really capitalizing, a little shy about taking shots at the rim, looking to make that extra pass to the perimeter. It's become a running joke amongst Heat fans watching this team because they do give up easier looks to kick it out to the perimeter, and maybe those are the tenets that Eric Spolstra is teaching. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I guess you could justify it in many ways. If it falls, it does, you know, create more points. It doesn't. It's a little confusing. I I feel like... A very oversimplistic version of what analytics provides is looking for high efficiency shots, which are you know shots at the rim or shots that create more points if you hit them, including a three pointer. But you know you're just trying to take good shots. Again, something that always gets overlooked is the mid range shot isn't going anywhere, and it shouldn't, as long as you're hitting them at a great rate, which most people do not in the NBA. You, know, you have to be elite at it, like James Harden. He takes a lot of mid-range shots. Why? Because he can, because he's good at it. Now, you're passing up open looks there, and I think KZ Okpala could probably connect, given his length and athleticism, from a shot in the paint, but then he just winds up holding the ball and looking to kick it out to somebody on the perimeter, and maybe they'll hit it, maybe they don't, but it just feels like that's going contrary to everything you're supposed to be doing when you're looking for easy points, especially in key moments there when New Orleans is making a run, but... That's I don't want to detract too much from Okpala's game because I think overall it was positive. It's good to see him out there. 17 minutes was a plus 10. That's a positive rating. I mean, he's doing something. Two of seven, though. It's like you're, you're taking those shots, and maybe that's why you're a little gun-shy. You're still so raw. He's really rough around the edges offensively. There just seems like there's no polish. And I, and I hate to keep bringing this up because I feel like I, I've been a big critic towards Zokpala, and that's not necessarily the case. When he was first drafted, I didn't see anything in his game at Stanford that kind of resonated with me. This wasn't – he didn't seem like a naturally polished athlete. He could do some things. He looked a little slow, a little – the timing just seemed a little off. He just hasn't been able to translate to any kind of sustainable way for him in Miami. And so there's issues about playing 10. There's the fact that he didn't get – 
any real off-season training at the G League where he might have gotten some more experience. He did have plenty of it his rookie season and didn't really work either. So I don't know. I, I feel like they've lost faith in whatever he can provide. And he was only out there because they couldn't start Andre Iguodala. And you don't have any other option. And I guess he just doesn't also, and I mean by he, I don't mean, I mean Eric Spolstra. Spo doesn't feel comfortable going with Precious Achua either. Although I think he played pretty solid. I'll talk about him in the next segment. Uh, for Miami, it was just, it was a weird game because you started off incendiary. Kelly Olenek was fantastic. I, I feel like maybe this is just a good game for him because he was shooting well, but he was doing all the other things that he's been doing, rebounding, making plays. He had seven assists to go along with 10 rebounds. And he was a team high, plus 19. Scored 18 points, including seven of eight from the field, four of five from three-point range. So really good for him. Does the all-star break remove some of the Olenek mojo? Is he going to be able to string a couple games, even with a hiatus in between? It's hard to tell. We've never seen anything like this. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's sustainable for the next game. When Miami does reconvene next week to face the Orlando Magic, will we still have this version of Kelly Olenek? Don't make me out to be the last person in Kelly Olenek Island, Kelly Olenek Skate Park, Kelly Olenek Trailer Park. I don't know. I'm workshopping these here, people. You haven't given me any suggestions. I think you probably feel comfortable going with the Kelly Olenek Trailer Park experience rather than the Kelly Olenek Island experience. But uh, he was great today. Like, he he does smart things. He, he You know, I talked about this with Nikaias Duncan over the last couple episodes. He is... A smart passer, smart defender in a help role is not, he's not ideal as your starter. You don't have any other options. And, you know, maybe you just have to lean into that. He's, he's as best as you got. Can you upgrade? Yes, absolutely. You have to be clear about what you want as an upgrade, though, because you're not going to get a significant improvement. PJ Tucker ain't it. Like Griffin absolutely isn't it. There are other names out there, Name Ambielitsa, maybe. I, I just, I don't see any of those being significant improvements. Harrison Barnes, that's a whole other animal. I mean, Harrison's been playing great. He's a really good shooter. I mean, he has his moments, but as a defender, he's a good individual defender. He's got championship experience, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like that's absolutely a great fit here, but you're looking at the price tag versus Kelly coming off the books this year. Maybe you try to resign him. Maybe he can try and figure out another contract elsewhere. That's a whole conversation for a much later time. But for now, he's he's playing well. I, I feel like he's making a solid contribution. I, I feel I feel like I don't know. I hate saying it this way, but I feel like I'm delusional about what Kelly provides. And I know the numbers bear it out, so I'm I'm being supported at least statistically to some degree. But everybody seems so critical of everything he does that when he does something positive like he did on Thursday night, it's like, oh boy, here we go, Kelly doing something. It's like, yeah. He, pretty much does something every game. I, I don't, you know, he, he contributes in some way with all these other things that don't necessarily show up. I tweeted it out during the game. He had some really nice help defense there to force a turnover against, I think against Brandon Ingram. And maybe it would have been very different if Zion was out in the game. Without Bam, you're going to see Kelly absolutely posterized by Zion Williamson. I mean, who hasn't been? Even Bam would have had his hands full there. So it's a the challenge of going up against New Orleans was their huge front court with Stephen Adams and Zion Williamson. This one-two punch where you know Adams is getting his bully ball strength in there to force tough screens, you know, often moving screens, but that's just the nature of the NBA too. And then Zion Williamson using that explosive first step to get past anybody, probably even Bam. 
So it would have been a much more different game, probably a loss. I I thought it was going to be a loss. Um, Miami got a real benefit there from Zion Williamson, and and look, they also got a really good boost from Kelly Olynyk, and that's the offset of this is that he had a great game. We should be able to appreciate these moments, knowing that they're probably not going to be sustainable. That he might be on the chopping block anyway. If they're finding uh, if they find a taker for his salary this season, they can find a suitable replacement, and that's the key too. You know, suitable replacement. I don't think there's a lot out there. Is he better than Jay Crowder? No. Is he is Jay Crowder available? Absolutely not. There aren't a lot of good players there. You cannot trade somebody like Olenek, who has been consistent for eight seasons in the NBA. Everybody around the league knows who he is. No one's going to offer him $20 million, nor are they going to be like, yes, he is the linchpin to our future success. You don't want to keep his bird rights necessarily because I don't think they mean anything around the league because I don't think he's going to be able to duplicate the same salary he has over the last four seasons when Miami offered them that deal. But this is, you know, we, we know who Olenek is. Hopefully we'll continue to get a better version of him throughout the rest of the season. Miami needs it. And I, and I think, well, you know what, I'll save that conversation for the next segment because I there are concerns, even though they're at 500, I should be positive. I am positive, but I've never been that negative either. It's not its not like I had as low a point to climb out of as most of Heat fandom and, and most of my listeners did. Like The reality was you all were much more upset about this team, and I understood that there were problems there, that they weren't particularly good, but they were going to get a boost back once Jimmy came back, once Goran came back, et cetera, and, and it's paid out. 11 wins out of your last 15 games. That's a really good record. That's a really good record. I don't know how sustainable that is over the next 35 games, but you're going to try your damnedest. I mean, if the equivalent of that is winning 20, what, eight out of your next 35 games. That's a lot. That would make you probably one of the best teams in the league. You could climb out of a lot of, you know, where you have been in the standings. You're going to get a top four seed, no doubt. So I don't think 11 to 15 is sustainable. I also don't know if, uh, you know, you're going to go back to, winning one out of every four games. I think you're liable to continue to push, win a lot of games, and get whatever contributions you can, whether you make a trade or not. I talk about some of the unsung heroes from the game before answering your listener questions next on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. You know what's not unsung is bet online because they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You know about it because I've been telling you about it for weeks. Football's over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, all are in full swing, and you can bet on all of them at Bet Online. They even cover awards and TV shows, reality TV, whatever you're looking for. Real-time updated odds, props on anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Who doesn't like that? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. I cover everything you need to know about the Heat, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports needs you need in every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. I was actually just on the show uh, talking about the Heat, so make sure you check it out uh, in addition to my great coverage here. Uh, fantastic network. I hope you support other Locked On podcasts. Uh, podcasts because there's a lot going on with this network it's made incredible leaps and bounds i, I am about to celebrate a major milestone with this uh podcast uh, over a thousand episodes a thousand episodes of this show incredible that uh, wes and i started this as humbly as we did 
what, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago? No, it can't be that long. Seven years ago, 2014, we were just having conversations about the last year, the Big Three era, by phone. Uh, a lot has changed since then for us, for the team. But as far as tonight's win is concerned, look, I, one of the issues that I, I'm sure – I'm not sure if Heat fandom is overlooking it or not talking about it. I don't think anybody on the national level has either. Is Miami's gotten lucky with a lot of these wins over those 11 to 15 games. They got a lot of injured teams in there. They played some bad teams. Like, well, you know, as good as the Knicks are, I think Miami. I don't think the Knicks are actual playoff contenders. I mean, they're, they might make the playoffs. It wouldn't be surprise me if they were out of it completely or if they dropped to the the play-in tournament. I don't think they're going to challenge any of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to challenge Miami either, despite how good, and he has been good, Julius Randle, and the rest of that roster has been, I, I don't necessarily think that they're a legitimate contender this year. That that They're fun to watch, that everybody's happy that the New York Knicks have a good team, at least around the league. You know, 29 other franchises seem to think that however the Knicks go, the rest of the league goes. I think the league's been doing just fine with the Knicks sucking over the last two decades, so I don't really think it's that much of a concern. But, uh, you know, Miami has strung together some great wins, but mostly a lot of very lucky ones, facing the Lakers, facing teams here and there without key players. And I understand those concerns, but so much of the season is up in the air. Like, poke holes in everybody's record. If you're going to start, and look, we do it because we cover this team or we talk about this team or we follow this team, and so it's much more obvious to us. But, you know, look around other teams. You know, whoever notches a win against the Lakers, they don't care that it's against Anthony Davis. They'll take the damn win, you know. So much of the season has been different. Does anybody remember in a season from now or a year from now that you faced a, a Pelicans team without Zion Williamson? No, it just shows up as a win. It doesn't really matter. And and I don't think it does either as far as an indicator about what Miami's going to be like because they've been missing key players here and there throughout the whole experience, throughout the whole first half of the season. You can't, ju- you know, can't judge what Miami has been able to do over the last three weeks and, and just because other teams have been missing key players, Miami has as well. They've been able to do all the things that are necessary to win. It doesn't matter anymore. It's You could measure quality wins. You're going to need to be able to make a slight change to this roster in order to cement your position there. But as long as you've got Jimmy Butler playing tonight, and look, I made the point in the last podcast that I have issues with Bam Adebayo not being that quote-unquote superstar that can change the tide of a game as completely. He's had moments over the first four seasons of his career we need that more consistently. He keeps saying, I need to be more aggressive. And everybody keeps saying, well, go ahead. What are you waiting for? And I know it's easy. It's part of the challenge. It's part of his youth and finding his role and everything else. But Jimmy's already there. Like, he doesn't give a damn. He he, he doesn't have to just say, oh, I'm going to be more aggressive. He just goes and does it. What a force of nature Jimmy Butler is. To me, and I've said it before many times during the podcast, that is the definition of a superstar. He impacts a game and can change the tide from one direction to the other on offense or defense. It doesn't matter. He just imprints his will in a way that very few players can. I don't know that Bam's ever going to get there. The expectations might be a little you know, too much, despite the fact that he's getting paid a lot of money. Separate contract from it. And you look at what Bam's production is versus what Bam's role is, and he's a hell of a player. You, we should just appreciate that. 
not try to pigeonhole them into superstar level status or game changer type status. He just does a lot of little things well. And he might never be that aggressive version of the player that we've seen against Brooklyn, against Washington last season, where he had so many, so much of an impact in the fourth quarter. Those games are few and far between. He can do it. He did it in the playoffs. That's more than enough. Maybe he can't be the lead guy. You've got two, two and a half more seasons of Jimmy Butler in this roster. You don't have to worry about Bam being the guy capable of taking over. There are a few guys in the league that can do it. That he might not be one of them doesn't mean he's not a top 20 player. Because at least I think he is. Just because he's not in the playoff, or I'm sorry, in the all-star game doesn't mean anything either. But there were some key players that stood up today. Uh, they had really big games. Goran Dragic. Man, it's so good to see a good Goran Dragic game. 13 points, 4-7 shooting. Looked really solid. Four trips to the line, too. Knocked them all down. Three assists, two rebounds. Solid overall game. Just a steady... Look, Goran, look, this is great. Even as I'm talking about this now, that's... Goran is not a quote-unquote game-changing superstar. Does he have big buckets on occasion? Yes. Can he lock a, an opponent down? No. He's not going to be able to change the game single-handedly the way a Jimmy can. Goran can chip in a lot offensively he's also probably going to give up a lot defensively and he still leads your team to victory just as bam has on occasion it's just not something you can rely on heavily you cannot count on goron to always chip in 20 plus points today he was a secondary scorer he was a guy who was able to find seams in the defense and take advantage of those he was efficient he only played 31 minutes still coming back to form i think he says he feels good but I'm glad he's getting the much-needed break over the next five, six games. Five, six days, excuse me. You know, the, this is the league as it is. You, you don't have a lot of superstars. Look, I mean, Brandon Ingram is probably as close to a superstar as you're going to get. Maybe. Uh, and he, he still had a bad game. It happens. I, I don't even particularly care for Zion Williamson fitting into that superstar role either. He's really good. He's a really good offensive player. Defensively, not so much. There's a lot of room for improvement there. And so he's exciting to watch. I feel like we're all really just you want him to succeed. You want him to be as electric as everybody thought he was at Duke. He was playing against much worse level of competition then. That's just the reality. You know, beating up on some of these bad teams isn't the same thing as going up against superstars every night or superstar level players or great defenders and you know all the different things that he does that he can dominate offensively is fine he can't change the game defensively that's a that's enough about zion williamson that's enough even about that conversation i just i like seeing goran contribute a lot and at the same time i know that i can't count on this regularly moving forward just like andre godala i feel like it's such an important thing to consider when you're looking at this team you know you have role players here I made the point about the 2016, 2017-18 heat specifically where they were just counting on 12 points from Tyler Johnson, counting on 15 to 17 points from Josh Richardson. You you can't you can't win sustainably that way because those guys aren't superstars. We were we spent years wasting you know, the franchise spent years wasting its time Wasting Josh Richardson time trying to force him to become a superstar or a star on this team. He wasn't that guy. You know, everybody talked about it. Opponents were like, yeah, yeah, Josh is the guy. He's going to he's gonna score points for this team. Dwayne Wade, I asked him specifically, you know, about Josh Richardson taking a leap. 
He was confident that he could take that leap. Didn't pay out. Didn't pan out that way, did it? Nobody regretted it. He recognized at the time that Josh had his limitations. There are just players like this. Now, that's not to compare Bam Richardson, Bam Adebayo, excuse me, to Josh Richardson. It's just you have to be cut from a very unique cloth to become a superstar, to become the guy that changes a team and a game like that. Butler has it. I don't think I'm saying anything, especially after tonight's performance, that would shock a lot of people. And nor do I mean it as an insult to Bama Tobiah. That he'll get there eventually is certainly a possibility. At his age, given his limited experience, seeing what he's done, he still, I mean, I don't think anybody's counting him to go out, counting on him to go and put up 20 points. That's not the expectation from him. He's, he's just, that's a different mentality. That's a different player than Jimmy Butler. Now, Andre Iguodala, again, had some big shots, played key defensive you know, during stretches there, and, and that's part of the problem, too, is that you're counting on guys like Iguodala. You're counting on Goran Dragic. You're even counting on Precious Achua to step up. He only had eight points, but, hell, they wound up being crucial ones because he provides great effort, you know, chipping in five rebounds, too. Like, we need somebody like him to come off the bench and be able to provide a boost offensively, to provide some effort. You know, to challenge guys defensively. It might not be something that you can contain. You can't harness it, nor is it always efficient. But you still rely on that chaos factor during the 16 minutes that he plays. That it usually leads to something positive because he just keeps going. He has nice touch around the rim. He had one horrendous looking layup that he completely bobbled and threw like eight feet up in the air. Or eight feet over the rim and then wound up getting lucky and having a drop. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just with this roster, you're counting a lot on Jimmy Butler, which is to go back to a lot of the conversation earlier in the season, why you always make a trade for James Harden. I know there are plenty of reasons why you say, no, no, no. Let's see if Tyler's that guy. Let's not trade away five to six players, six rotation players and draft picks just to acquire James Harden. It's a conversation that's very difficult to have seriously now. When you look at how good Brooklyn's been, you have superstars, superstars, game changers like Harden, like Butler, and then it doesn't really matter as much who's surrounding you. Now, there are questions about Tyler here, whether or not he can become that player. He struggled lately, and I'll talk a little bit about that as I answer your listener questions in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Luchu is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Luchu's tablets combat all forms of erectile dysfunction and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Luchu is an online prescription service, so no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. The licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. You don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. BlueChew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable, and they're all made in the USA, 
and they're shipped directly to you, and it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. If you try BlueChew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, you pay just $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source, and more people trust Josh Lloyd, the host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. Josh is the best. I'm going to get into some listener questions before wrapping up, and I'll still be producing content over the next couple of days. Look, it's not an extended break. It's only really five days before Miami gets back and takes on the Orlando Magic, so they'll get a small break. A necessary one and a well-deserved and earned one. But this first question comes in from Mo. Does Eric Spolstra teach his young bigs not to look at the rim? Precious must have missed the memo, but the rest of them. Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure uh, what that is. I, I, I've made this point about Okpala. I made the point about uh, you know Bam in the past. Kelly, I feel, is often looking there because you know, he's mostly looking to shoot. But overall, once he gets to the rim, I think he has good touch around the basket. If he's got a low post situation against a smaller defender, he tries to take advantage of it. I think he's a better low post player than Bam and Abayo, just not as athletic and explosive, so it doesn't come across nearly as uh, impactful. But I don't think it teaches – I think, again, back to my previous conversation, I feel like they're preaching to look for open shots from the perimeter because that's good offense. And it works because if you have to respect Miami shooters, it's why Miami shot so well last season in such bulk, you know. They only went 33% today, but mostly because Kendrick Nunn has been struggling over the last couple of nights. He goes 1 of 7 against the Pelicans. If he hits his 3 of 7, that's a completely different conversation. If Okpala doesn't go 1 of 4, if Iguodala doesn't go 1 of 4, if Dragic doesn't go 1 of 3, you know, you get one more from all those guys and then a couple more shots from Kendrick Nunn. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a team that's shooting closer to 40%, which is where they were last year. And I think it makes a huge difference for Miami. I mean, I may, maybe this is pretty obvious. Maybe uh, I'm not saying anything completely, uh, no hot takes or anything like that. I just feel like they're looking for good shots from the perimeter. I think they have a good inside-outside game. If you have a contested shot at the rim, nobody on this roster is really that explosive. Bam maybe is your best bet, and even he obviously pays up, passes up shots at the rim and looks to to pass it out to the perimeter. I don't know. It's it's a little frustrating, but what are you going to do? Good for Precious then. If he's a guy who can change all that and looks to score first and foremost – Hopefully he'll be able to do it a little bit more consistently, a little bit more efficiently, and for so you know prolonged periods of time because he does need to get more minutes, in my opinion. This next question comes in from Arda. He writes in, do you think Jimmy should try shooting more threes? Look, I talked about this after, uh, I can't remember exactly what game, where he did have some three-point attempts, wound up going two of three, I think, from the field. If he's not getting to the line as much for whatever reason, or you don't want to put that wear and tear on you, 
if you can't consistently get, let's say you're facing a team like the Utah Jazz and you're not moving the ball in that game as efficiently as they did in their most recent victory over Utah, the the shot blocking, offense altering presence of Rudy Gobert is something you have to figure out. And so for a guy like Jimmy, stretch the floor out. Hey, take it a shot. Like I think it's there. I think it's a matter of confidence, even for somebody like him. Like we talk about confidence and the shooting of Duncan Robinson. I think it's the same thing for Jimmy Butler. It's not like he has bad mechanics. I don't. He can hit those shots. I think he will hit them more consistently, and I like seeing him try them. He was one of two today. That's great. Keep shooting him at least just in those numbers, so you get more and more comfortable, and hopefully you can average around 500 for the month of March. If you can get to that point where you can average around 500 during that stretch, one of two, you'll make up for you know shooting 12% earlier in the season. And I, and I think it helps Miami's offense. You have to respect Jimmy as a scorer because of his ability to get to the rim, because of his ability to draw fouls. And if he stretches the floor, there's going to be a half-second moment's hesitation there from a defender where they're wondering, oh, shit, he's going to pull up. And if he does... That's enough time for even Jimmy at this stage in his career to drive by him, to at least force contact, maybe get an end one. He did it against Josh Hart from a shot that was 20 feet away. You know, it should have been a three-pointer. Instead, he wound up putting a foot on the line. But overall, again, you have to have that. I think Josh Hart doesn't foul Jimmy if, if not for a three-pointer earlier in the game. Philly Heat writes in, did Tyler have one of those grenade drinks on Bourbon Street pregame? 27 minutes, two points, one of six field goals, two rebounds, one assist. What the hell happened? Well, Philly, the hand grenade was created by the owners of Tropical Isle Bar during the 1984 World's Fair in New Orleans. It's a melon-flavored cocktail. Packs a punch. Can sneak up on you. The original recipe is a closely guarded secret, but a website I saw provided this solid guess. One and a half ounces gin, one and a half ounce grain alcohol, one and a half ounce melon liqueur, one and a half ounce vodka and one and a half ounce rim. That is, well, that's a lot. And yes, it does absolutely sneak up on you. Um, I was a uh, hurricane man myself when I went to New Orleans and debauched myself completely. Uh, there's probably still part of me somewhere out there wandering those ghost-filled streets uh, along uh, New Orleans because I, I uh, well, I had a good time. I'll say it that way. I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, I had a couple good times. <laughs> anyway, uh, I feel like a lot of people have, so I'm just adding my my own my own unique experience there. But look, let's. I was trying to add some humor there. Tyler's struggle. He came back from injury. He struggled the game before too. Uh, 28 minutes, three of 12 in the field, so 33 percent. Not great. Three of seven from three point range that game. So at least it, it offset some of the obvious issues with his scoring. He's gonna need this break. We all assume that because he's young, he's not gonna get hurt. You know, I remember talking to Josh Richardson his rookie year, and he was in the locker room doing something he probably never does now, eating chicken tenders and, like, drinking soda. Because he was 20-something years old. Even as a four-year player at Tennessee, he was still young. And I asked him, you know, are you worried? He had a, actually a late-season injury that kind of took him out for a game or two. And I was asking him, you know, do you feel, like, concerned that, you know, you're not going to be able to contribute during the playoffs or anything like that? He's like, nah, I'm 22. I'm fine. And sure enough, he was able to play in the playoffs, but uh, we've seen over the course of his career that you can get injured. Every player has that risk. So with Tyler, yes, he's young. Will he bounce back? Absolutely. I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I think the injury has played a part there. I think 
There was a report that came out from Bleacher Report that I'm not sure I fully can substantiate or believe in other than, well, let's say the report said basically that Jimmy Butler had okayed a trade to acquire James Harden, which would have meant likely Tyler Hero's ass was going back to the Rockets. That can't be good. I talked about it earlier in the season that I feel like even as a 21-year-old, like look look at the videos from last year when we were just starting to see Tyler blossom and like this is the draft pick that you know appreciates Jimmy Butler and he's waking up early to train with Jimmy that Jimmy reached out to him he's like you're my rook and all this kind of stuff and there's you know footage of him for I think Slam magazine for a photo shoot where they're all making jokes where Tyler says he can't swim and th- stuff like that you know uh, these these were great moments and part of what made the chemistry so strong and so obvious. So you're looking at that as, you know, not maybe not a brotherhood, but let's say a very strong friendship. And then you hear reports, however true or not, that Jimmy said, yeah, yeah, you can get James Harden. Go ahead, send Tyler over there. Don't send Duncan, but send Tyler. Like, this is the world we live in. Players read tweets. They talk about it. They're, they're aware of what's going on. They're probably some that have listened to this ridiculous podcast. You know, you have all this access. You have all this downtime, especially now where they can't travel. It's not like they're bringing girls over. You know, they're not they're not going to clubs. They're not even going out to restaurants. It's you know, uh, it's it's ordering off the 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 takeout menu at your local hotel. Get some room service. Watch some Netflix. Call it a night. Wake up. Repeat. So, given all that. I, uh, I feel like Tyler has probably seen some of the reports, probably understands, yeah, it's a business. You have to justify it some way to yourself. And you try to find a way to move on. I think it'll be fine. I also think that the injury is probably playing some limited role there. So this question comes in from Patty. What's the deal with Tyler? So another question there. Uh, also, KZ as a five didn't look horrible. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, he's got the size, right? He can do it. This is the league. No, There are no David Robinsons or Hakeem Olajuwon's or Shaquille O'Neal's or Alonzo Mourning's even. This is a very different game. You're not Those centers of the past don't exist to the same degree. Everybody's a shooter. You have to be able to challenge them. Can Okpala handle Joel Embiid? Hell no. Not many players can. Bam happens to be one of them. I wouldn't trust KZ out there, except at the right situation. But, you know, Kelly looked pretty good against Steven Adams, reportedly one of the strongest guys in the league. I, I just – I don't think you're you're going to rely on KZ anymore. It's a good thing to see. It's a nice wrinkle. Hopefully he'll be able to contribute a little bit more. Philly asked the last question of the night. Is there an incentive in Eric Sposter's contract not to use the challenge? Does he not like green lights? This is terrible. Look, it's – He's been adamant since it first came out that he had to research and kind of figure out when's the best time to do it. He doesn't like it. I, I feel like if, if Eric Spolster is smart enough, and I know he's seen enough to, to understand that it's important to switch, but you see some of these archaic arguments for not shooting the perimeter shot or playing man-to-man defense. You saw Shaquille O'Neal get roasted alive, and mercifully so by Candace uh, Parker, on the TNT broadcast alongside Dwayne Wade where her and Dwayne were very accurate in saying you can't, you have to switch all the time. And Shaq's like, well, why can't you just man? Because if you do, you're going to get killed out there. So I feel like that's partly ingrained in Eric Spolster. He's a guy just says, he, he said it many times when you ask him questions about, you know, why did you go to uh, 
uh, a zone scheme against this team or why didn't you you know do this things and he's like he'll say I, I don't care about schemes it's about efforts and multiple efforts and rotating and having intention and purpose maybe that's just coach speak maybe that's deliberately vague he's smart enough to know the difference maybe he's just playing the media too which is always a possibility with somebody like Eric Spolstra but I also kind of agree or I kind of believe that he believes these things that for him, it's all about making sure you give the most effort and, and relying on the challenge. He's the kind of guy who's never blamed referees. Yeah, he said it. Yeah, that was a bad call. And he's certainly gotten into arguments. He likes. He doesn't want the game to be called at all. If it were up to him, there would probably be players blooding each other regularly as long as there's just a good flow, sharing the ball, doing all the little things that matter, making winning plays, not necessarily relying on the whistle, despite the fact that his superstar relies heavily on the whistle. But... As far as why he doesn't use the challenge, he's done it more. I think he, I feel like he's done it on occasion during the season. And I know every time he doesn't, everybody gets pissed off. Maybe he just wanted to save it in a tight game. I There was a one play in particular there, I think, with a one and a half minute left in the fourth quarter, and, and people were challenging it online and saying, why doesn't Spo challenge it? I don't know. I think even Kenny Smith, the broadcaster, pointed out that he probably should have challenged it. And of course, there was no challenge came. So I, I feel like that's what's got everybody so worked up. Um, it's a it's a tough one. I'm sure he likes green lights on occasion, so long as they're done efficiently and with a lot of intention. That does it for me. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllaHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review if possible. Enjoy the break. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.